KFI AM 640 with Bill Carroll. I know that song was cheering me up a little bit. Just keep it pumping. Give me some energy here. We're going to meet a photojournalist whose life really changed by his own work. I wonder if he had any idea it was going to be like that. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have taken this project on at all, but it's a really good one. And it's one of these things, you know, we're all going to know somebody in our life. We're going to need this guy's photo book. And it's really, not, you know, the photos are incredible and compelling, but the stories that go along with them, too, are really absolutely inspiring. I'm going to explain what that is. But here's the other thing I want to tell you. Do not turn us off in the next hour sometime. We are going to give out the word of the day again. And uh, this, is a, this is an opportunity to win $1,000 and qualify to win $50,000, which is the grand prize in the iHeartRadio Ultimate Experience. So hang in. We're going to give you the word that you need to text in order to win $1,000 and qualify for $50,000 sometime again before this hour is over. I'm not going to tell you more than that. I've already I've really told you too much. I could have said sometime in the next two hours and forced you to listen beyond 12 o'clock, but I didn't do that because I love you too much. Hey, I'm still loving myself over this idea, though, in Baltimore. How do we make this thing go viral? How do we get women, mothers in Baltimore, to dress in yellow and go out on the streets and get in between their kids and police to make sure we don't have another night of rioting and looting? Because the crowds are already starting to gather in Baltimore despite the curfew. Because a curfew doesn't tell you you can't go out during the day. It's a nighttime curfew. All right, so let's move on. This book is called New Beginnings, The Triumphs of 120 Cancer Survivors. And uh, there's a book of photographs by a guy named Bill Aaron, interesting guy, freelance photographer, teaches photography at New Community Jewish High School in the West Valley, and has a Ph.D. in sociology. And we have him on the line right now. How you doing, Bill? Hi, Bill. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. What made you do this, man? It seems on the surface like a potentially really depressing thing. Um, That's what I thought. In 1993, I was diagnosed with cancer. And... I, and then the Internet, of course, there was no Internet or it wasn't available to me. So I went to medical libraries, and what I found was just totally depressing. Um, and I was at a dead end. I wanted something positive. I wanted something to lift me up and to give me hope, but I couldn't find anything. And as it turns out, this book became, over time, exactly what I wished had existed when I was diagnosed. So did you set out then to try to meet people so that you could give hope to people like you because you felt so hopeless at the time? Was that really the plan? Well, I went to a support group at what was then the wellness community. It's now called the Cancer Support Community. It's in West Los Angeles. And while I was in the group, uh, one of the meetings, uh, somebody said to me, you know, cancer is really the best thing that ever happened to me. And I said, what? <laughs> this is terrible. I go home every night and cry. And um, then, you know, over time, I began to meet other people like this. So well, why, why did they say it was the best thing that ever happened to them? Cancer became an impetus to change their lives. It became a catalyst uh, that forced them into some kind of change in which they were unsatisfied or unhappy in their lives. Gave them the uh, life is too short moment? Absolutely, but on a, a really primal level. Well, yeah, because you think you, you might die. Yeah. 
Some people changed careers. Some reordered their priorities. Some just reaffirmed that the paths they were on were, were right for them. Um, but what I was actually surprised to find out was most people explored ways to give back to the cancer community, either raising money, visiting treatment centers, founding survivor organizations, and just reaching out to others who had been diagnosed. Um, one young woman, while she was in treatment, um, she was having just a tough time, and she was so miserable. She cried the entire time, and this lovely other young woman in treatment came over and put her arms around her and just sat with her, and every day the two became inseparable. And she realized that this woman was an angel in her life, and so she wanted to be someone else's angel as well. So when did you specifically, Bill, come up with the idea of a book of photographs of cancer survivors? In 2006, I began to get my own feeling of wanting to give back to the community because I, a lot of people had helped me. Um, and it became clear to me that there was this period after treatment ended, regardless of what the outcome was, but after it ended, all the busyness of treatments and doctor's appointments, that all goes away. And you're just left with this silence. And many people need to figure out how to move forward. What's next? Um, you know, and- Bill, uh, this is Bill Aaron, a freelance photographer, teaches photography and uh, has a Ph.D. in sociology. And he's put this book together, New Beginnings. I, I, of all the interviews I've done about cancer over the years, I've never heard anyone talk about that moment. I've, I've never actually even talked to cancer survivors about that moment when all the treatment is over. And you don't have the doctor's appointments and the chemotherapy and the people coming around to see if you're okay. And then there's that moment of silence. That's really interesting. Can we get into that a little bit more and meet some of the people in this book? Sure. All right. We'll take a break and come back. Bill Aaron, like I said, is also still teaching photography at New Community Jewish High School right here in Southern California, the West Valley. And many of these people that we're going to meet are from Southern California as well. Coming up. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Ingrid Michelson's going to drop by here at 1150. We call her a pop artist. That seems, I don't know, maybe a little shallow for how her music sounds, but got a kind of jazziness to it, which I kind of like. Anyway, we're going to meet her. And if you don't know who she is, well, hang in anyway. Remember we had Rachel Platten on the show a couple of months ago? Talk about her song, Fight Song, which kind of related to this. People uh, who are fighting cancer took that song and they put it on social media and they've used it as a, a way to kind of get themselves pumped up and ready for the fight. And you know that song now is a top 20 Billboard hit? And uh, I know a few people when we had her on the show said, wow, who is she? Is it? But now she's kind of everywhere. So, uh, And we hope we can say the same about Ingrid Michelson, who's going through some personal stuff too that I found interesting. Recently lost her mother. So that's coming up at 11.50. And if you're always on the hunt for new music like I am, maybe we can give you something. So hang in for that. Also, in the 12 o'clock hour, the uh, Santa Monica is moving to ban Airbnb short-term rentals. A lot of people I know have made some money doing that. And a lot of people I know live next door to people who do that, and they don't like it. The new battlefront. So we'll tell you about that. 
coming up. Meantime, let's go back to Bill Aaron, who's a free, freelance photographer, teaches photography at New Community Jewish High School in the West Valley, has a Ph.D. in sociology, is a cancer survivor, and his new book, it's one of those great tabletop books that you should give to someone who's just been given a cancer diagnosis or maybe the relative of somebody who's scared for their uh, loved one. New Beginnings, The Triumphs of 120 Cancer Survivors. Bill, just before the break, you were talking about uh, once the treatment is over and all the busyness of the chemotherapy and the doctor's appointment, there's that moment when uh-huh. you're just alone. Where were you going with that? I haven't really heard anyone describe that. What, what is that about? Well, in talking to these 120 people, I identified four stages of cancer. Um, the, the first two are, are, are quite well known. Um, the terror of the diagnosis and the agony of treatment are the first two. And then we have this silent phase where everything goes away. And many family and friends also feel that, well, you should get back to normal now. It's over. Um, but the survivor really, you can't really, with, with the consciousness of cancer that their body can do something that they have no control over, with that consciousness, it's very difficult to get back to the old normal. So they need help in figuring out what the new normal is going to be. What now? What goes forward? And then the last stage is when people realize there's a knowing that there is a new beginning. There is a new normal, and they get on to it. They get so on is that who it. your book is for, the people who've already had the treatment and they're, they're in remission? I think it's about anyone who's diagnosed it's for anyone who's diagnosed with cancer um because this is the road that lies ahead and it's a hopeful road um people really change their lives for the better uh kay warren who's the wife of the evangelist rick warren in southern california she says i can't control how long i live but i can control how i live so these are insights that people gain over their lives. One of the guys you photographed named Bill Cavanaugh talked about something that just stuck with me about how upset he was when he got the diagnosis. I think it was on Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. He was like, Merry Christmas, you have cancer. Great. Right. <laughs> but he, he said later how he was thankful for the silence because he was too sick to do anything. He was undergoing chemotherapy, and it was what do you call it, forced reflection, I think. Yeah. He said that really changed his life, that he finally had not. For me, it reminded me of that odd rainy day you get in California where you're almost relieved that you can sit at home and do nothing, mm-hmm. maybe read a book. or whatever. It sounded like he was kind of talking about that moment in his life where he finally had some silence. Yeah, I, yeah, and I think Bill also said this really great thing. He says, our biggest challenges in life always present us with our most rewarding gifts. And I think that that's true for many people who go through this process. Um, there's one woman became a certified health coach. She had been some kind of bureaucrat. Another man who was a uh, CEO of a major company left that and became a Tai Chi instructor. That is a life change. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Um, I, I think, you know, I was most moved by the stories of families with young children um, there was this wonderful little girl named Sophie Colby who was sort of called the social butterfly. She was always in the hospital running around the ward, getting all the depressed teenagers out of their beds and getting them to play. And at one point, when the doctor was going by on his rounds, he turns to the nurse and said, are you sure we're giving this kid chemo? Because she was such a lively little spirit. 
And her mother said this wonderful thing, which I think epitomizes this, for lack of a better term, wake-up call. Said we, we, meaning she and her husband, have the luxury of seeing so many little gifts that other people don't see. The smell of my daughter's hair in the morning is one such gift. My favorite daily gift is getting to snuggle in the morning every morning with her. There's a constant reminder that she's borrowed, she's not ours. And I think these stories become very poignant um, about this experience. Um, they tell they tell us that there's hope, but we need to come to terms with something. Um, there was there's a rabbi in Los Angeles, Ed Feinstein. He's in the valley, uh, at Valley Beth Shalom, and he said, I mean, he said the most most profound statement I think in the book. The way of healing is to balance the loss and fear and rage with a sense of gratitude. When they balance, we are whole, whether or not we are cured. So I think for the lesson is for everybody, there is this sense of gratitude. There's a sense of all that is a gift. And I think most religions believe that God renews daily the work of creation by daily that means that God didn't just create the world and walk away, but that the majesty and the glory and the amazement of creation is constantly being renewed. And I think that becomes very real for cancer patients. Well, I would hope I'd have half the strength of these people that you write about in the book because there are a lot of amazing people here. And I don't know, Bill, do you think maybe we're all capable of that when the time comes, that we're all kind of amazing when really pushed? Well, I think that's a really good observation. I I think, I like to think, yes. I have a friend, a close friend, who said to me at one point, um, you know, I, uh, I don't want to have cancer, but I wish I could have some kind of experience like that so that I could change my life. And I think in that sense, cancer survivors can show us the way forward, a way to a better life, a life well lived. Well, that's a good way to end because the book is inspiring for me, even though I didn't have cancer. So, I'm uh, glad you didn't, Bill. Yeah, well, me too. But it's never you never know, right? Oh, we don't know absolutely. what's around the corner. Thank you for talking to us, Bill. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Bill. Bill Aaron, freelance photographer, high school teacher, PhD in sociology, and he's got this book, New Beginnings: The Triumphs of 120 Cancer Survivors, and uh, it's full of beautiful photographs of uh, incredible people and their stories. And if you know someone with cancer, you want to check this out. I assume Brian will put a link on our webpage, KFIM640.com, the Bill Carroll page, if you want to be able to get hold of that book. It's kind of tabletop size, you know, if you want to put that at the coffee table and people can just kind of flip through it. It's kind of, I'm going to take this one home for sure. All right, coming up next, Hawaii is uh, trying to fight cancer by raising the smoking age to 21. Is it really a point? We'll get into that coming up. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Hawaii is set to become the first state in the nation to raise the smoking age to 21. Hey, I'd like them to raise it to 91, but uh, what do I know? Maybe So maybe I'm not the best guy to give you my opinion. Yeah, but does it work is the question. Sounds like a good idea, of course. Yeah, if you could get no one to start smoking until they were age 21, how many people would actually start? I think I've only heard of one guy. That I barely know. It's just someone I know knows him well, but who actually started smoking in his 30s. Who does that? 
Don't you feel like if you could avoid smoking until you're old enough to to just not succumb to peer pressure? I mean, the minute you hit the age where you're not actually going to go throw rocks at police in Baltimore because you go, what, what, why? Right? Once you've reached that age of reason, I'm not just going to do it because everybody else is going to do it. I don't care how many people are out there throwing rocks. I'm not going to break store windows and steal stuff. No. Once you reach that age, would you ever start smoking? Probably very few people would. I did at 30. You started smoking at 30? <laughs> but I just smoked for a year. It was like a midlife crisis because I don't expect to. 30 is not know, midlife. Well, I don't expect to get past much past 60. So oh, for, my, for you me, know, that's midlife crisis. If you start smoking at 30, you might, you might have made you it go. midlife. Accelerate that. Yeah. Seriously? You, you took yeah. it off at 30? Yeah, it was kind of casual at first because I was still doing improv and I had friends who smoked. What did so, you think of? Like your breath was too good or something? Exactly. What was, what was going on in your mind? Uh, various things. Depression, uh, you know, I, I, the, the need to have some sort of vice and. And like I said, also, well, just, it was a, a social that, thing. Like, gives you a buzz or makes you feel better. Yeah, right? I you rather smoke you buzz from the nicotine. Well, not after a while. The nicotine after a while just makes you feel normal. It's the lack of nicotine. That <laughs> the feels good thing bad. is I was able to quit cold turkey, but probably because I only did it for like a year. Yeah, well, that's sometimes it, you can't. Sometimes after a few weeks, you can't go cold turkey. Anyway, here's the deal in Hawaii. The state's legislature passed the bill. The age right now, like in most places, is 18, although there are some states that have 19 as the smoking age. But they uh, they passed a bill raising the minimum legal age to buy tobacco and e-cigarettes to 21. Hasn't gone for the governor's signature yet. And uh, if he does sign it, and no one's quite sure what he will do, but I guess he's kind of, if you had to guess, you would say he's going to sign it because he just signed a bill making it illegal to smoke e-cigarettes anywhere you can't smoke regular cigarettes. So that would maybe hint that he's not the most pro-smoking guy in Hawaii. So uh, if he signs it, it will be effective January 1st, 2016. Right now, 46 states allow the sale of tobacco to anyone 18 or older. Alabama, Alaska, New Jersey, and Utah are the outliers. 19 is the age there. Uh, But there are a bunch of cities and towns, including New York, that have actually already raised the minimum legal age for tobacco purchases to 21. So the question is, will it work? Well, you didn't think we'd come to you without some study, did you? Because we've got to, got to have the study. Let's go through the common sense of it first, though. I think it could have an impact. It makes it a little bit tougher to buy cigarettes. But then, you know, when I was a kid, 14 and 15-year-olds were finding a way to buy cigarettes. There always seemed to be a way to buy them. So I'm not, I'm not totally convinced. It, I do believe if you could stop kids from smoking till they're a little bit older, they probably wouldn't start. But does it just make them even more cool? I don't know. You would think maybe even by eight, nineteen, or twenty, you've decided you're either a smoker or a non-smoker. So I'm not. I'm not sure where I see the difference. However, there is a study and a report that says it would work. It's the Institute of Medicine. And they figure that if you bar people under 21 from buying cigarettes, you could have a significant public health benefit. Here are the numbers on it. They think that uh, if we went across the country to 21, you would uh, result in nearly a quarter of a million fewer premature deaths, 50,000 fewer deaths from lung cancer for anyone born between 2000 and 2019. That's the estimate. I don't know how they come to that conclusion, but. What they say would happen is teenagers, especially between 15 and 17, are the most vulnerable to addiction at a time when their brains are still developing. So that's what the study said. So they, you know, they conducted it at the request of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. So 
is not some cigarette company or somebody else that came along, cancer societies or whatever. Uh, under the bill, anyone caught breaking the law would face a $10 fine for the first offense, $50 fine or community service for a second offense. Boy, that would that would get me shaking. When Ooh, $10 fine. Now, maybe because the law doesn't just say you can't purchase cigarettes, it says you can't smoke them, maybe that's where the, the deterrent factor comes in, where you're out on the street smoking a cigarette, somebody can actually write you a ticket for 10 bucks and eventually more, $50.00. And then community service. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe it's because it's not not just about legal age to purchase. They did a survey on this in Hawaii, by the way. If you want to know where the governor's going to go, last year they found that 71% favored raising the legal age to 21. Here's where I am ultimately on it. I don't see it how it can do any harm. Why not? Why not? You might as well. Okay, this is your chance to win $50,000. Would you like that? Text the keyword food to the number 45495 for a shot at a thousand bucks and get registered for the $50,000 grand prize. It's the iHeartRadio Ultimate Experience. Text the word food to the number 45495 right now. We'll text you back to let you know if you've won. Standard text and data rates apply. Food and the number is 454. Nine five four five four nine five. Coming up next, you'll get a chance to meet Ingrid Michaelson and maybe hear a little music you're going to like. That's coming up. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Yesterday we were talking about that that judge who had to get involved in a family dispute because the divorced husband and wife, the mother took her daughter to a pink concert. And the father sued, called her a bad mother because all the F-bombs at the show. And uh, I, I think that's kind of interesting because Ingrid Michaelson is here, an artist who's performing at the Greek Theater. It's a great venue, June 11th. And she says her show is family friendly. <laughs> My manager says that. Wouldn't it be funny if you come in now and you just drop five or six <laughs> F-bombs on radio? To... Um, yeah, we're doing, this is our first all ages tour. Um, and it's the first time I'm playing LA for, for all ages. Um, yeah, I tend to, I'm pretty good at getting to the adults without the kids knowing what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Um, but we have a lot of fun. Like good kid, kids movies. Yeah, The ones exactly. that are really well done, you're all laughing because of the innuendo, but exactly. the kids just take it literally. Yeah, um, but people people tend to bring their children to my shows all the time. And, um, I mean, how old, and I'm just curious about this case, how old was the kid that, that the, uh, for the pink how thing? How old was the kid? Uh, Ten, I think. Okay, all right, yeah. yeah. People bring their kid, uh, little kids. It was 11, I now remember for sure. 11. I've seen, like, you know, toddlers on shoulders at my shows. People bring their kids to See, shows. there's a fine line, though. Toddlers, you can take to things. Right. We used to take our toddler to movies where the language was pretty graphic and stuff because they don't understand it yet. Yeah. Right? And then, yeah. then you can't take them for a while, and then you can't. See, in our family, we, we have music on, the, on, on all the time, out loud, all the time. We're a big music family. And so I want my kids to love music, and I want them to go to the Greek or the Hollywood yeah. Bowl and stuff. I want them to have that. So... Uh, we didn't take him to see Pink, although he wanted to go. It's a great show, by the way. Pink's show's really oh, cool. Oh, yeah. But, 
But I thought, mm, it's a little too sexual, and it's I an excuse be, for me not to take them. For yeah. Me. I won't be spinning from silk ropes. See, um, then I'm not going. But I won't be but, but I won't be dropping F-bombs either. There we go. Somewhere in between. Well, I've made a commitment now. Yeah, somewhere in between not cursing and also not spinning around. It's I also really want exciting. for my kids, though, music that maybe is not. I mean, I don't really want to take them to Metallica. Mm-hmm. You know, right. where there's a wall of sound and you're pinned up against the back. Right, right. Can't get out of your seat. <laughs> right. Because kids' ears are sensitive, too. Yeah. And it sounds like your show might be a little more a little more laid back. Yeah. No, we're we're um we're really going to have a great time. We've been pr- getting this tour ready with just great lights and set design and a lot of special guests. We're just going to make it a big, fun. The whole tour is called A Summer Night Out because most of the venues are outdoors and I just want people to have that feeling of when you're, you know, when you're little and you just were outside all summer just playing and you would come inside and your skin would have that smell and you just couldn't wait to get out the next day. That's the kind of like, I want to kind of go back to that feeling and just have people outside enjoying themselves, not thinking about their problems and, you know, maybe eating ice cream. Wow. You're not a poet at all. Mm, drinking some beer. That description <laughs> made me just want to get out of here right now and go, <laughs> go somewhere. And well, you know, you're going to be well position at the greek theater that's such a great place to we just to went to go there. see um who did we see damien rice there and it was yeah it was a beautiful night and apparently uh charlie theron and what's his name sean penn were sitting right behind me and i am such a i i'm i do not see celebrities i don't ever see anyone famous walking down the street i have blinders on and they were right behind us and i wanted i didn't know until we left and then you told me why didn't you tell me when we were in there? What like, would you have done? Nothing. I just would have known. I just wanted to see and no, to know. Then if someone's sitting behind you that's famous, then there's that temptation to keep turning around and, you know, come up with excuses not to. Right. I just wanted to look and see. And then that's all I I don't want to say anything. I wouldn't bother them. I, I, I have to admit, last year at Hollywood Bowl, Olivia Newton-John was in the crowd. Ooh. And she was standing in the aisle talking to someone. And I made an excuse to get up and. What'd you, know, you say? Just so I could. Brush by it, my arm. See this right. arm here? Yeah. It touched her. <laughs> just brushed up. So you didn't, you her. just, yeah, you just wanted to like have your experience knowing that, you know, she's was there and she saw you being there. I didn't want to, did you say anything to her? I did and I didn't oh, attempt did. to, but as I sort of nudged her, she looked at me and I just came out. I said, wow, you're still beautiful. Oh, you still look great. that's a good thing to say. I could have said that to Champagne. I felt good. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Are you sure that prescription is up to date? Maybe Charlie's there on them. Well, that might have been that better. That would have worked better. Uh, your music sounds like a real mix of old and new. I'm not quite sure. There's yeah, a real kind of <laughs> old jazz kind of feel to it, but it still still sounds current. Well, I Are you gr- going for that? I grew up, I, I never listened to the radio growing up. I never listened to pop music. I, I watched a lot of old musicals, so Judy Garland and Bing Crosby and yeah, maybe that's that old from. vibe. So I think my the way that I sing has kind of just that's infused into me is this like sort of classic oldie timey feeling. But then right. the, the production and the and the lyrics don't don't really fit that vibe. But I think it's interesting that you that you thought that because well, it's I really like there. it because I'm, I'm always looking for new music, you know. And it's it's I find as you get older, it's harder to find stuff you like because you're just a little more particular. You know the, the way I find most music these days, oh. Shazam oh. in the middle of some TV show. Yeah, it's like uh, Doctor House. I discovered more great artists there. Grey's That's Anatomy. Manager, yeah, my manager did, did the music um, for for House. You did. And, um, I love the music in House. That's how I got started. I got my stuff on Grey's Anatomy, and then everybody 
heard my music from that. Well, that's why that's, I brought it up. Yeah, you're very good. You're good yeah. at segues. You're good at this thing. Thanks. I've been, try- I've been working on it for a few years. <laughs> no, but I thought someone was just mispronouncing Brian Adams' name until I heard a Ryan Adams song <laughs> on House. And I thought, i got to find out who this guy is. Yeah. Because it was really cool. And that's where a lot of kids are discovering music today. And, and people like me, too. Yeah, it's, Definitely it's, not it's a, kid. a new frontier, for sure. Well, good luck with your show. I wish Thank we had you. more time to sit and talk together. But uh, the family-friendly concert. Oh, my gosh, please. Now I have so much pressure on me. <laughs> At the Greek Theater. I'm bringing my kids June 11th. One F-bomb out of you. No, I'm walking I won't. Out. I promise. Ingrid Michelson. <laughs> And her new single is Time Machine. And it's good to talk to you. Nice to meet you. you Okay. All right. Coming up next, Santa Monica is going to vote on banning Airbnb, and it's causing war in neighborhoods. Banning Airbnb. Look at the two different reactions. It's great if you use it, but if your neighbor uses it, not so great. We'll talk about that coming up. Bill Carroll, KFI AM 640.